Welcome to the Confluence of Ideas, the Confluence Investment Management Podcast. It's been a while since our last podcast as the COVID-19 crisis has certainly disrupted our normal schedule and logistics, but it's good to be back online again to reinstitute this way of communicating with you. Today is April 30th, and today we want to revisit the Confluence 2020 outlook for the rest of the year and discuss some of the key events that we should be concentrating on as we consider market strategies. I'm Phil Adler, your moderator. Our guest is Bill O'Grady, Confluence Investment Management Chief Market Strategist. Bill, your original market outlook for 2020 was titled Stormwatch. It was published back at the beginning of the year, and that certainly uh, seems like a very long time ago. Since then, you've updated the forecast twice, basically ramping up the likelihood of a recession. And now a recession seems like a foregone conclusion. In light of that, what are important questions investors should be addressing in the face of that reality? In my career as an economist, this is the fourth recession that I've lived through. And in all my previous experiences, there were economic indicators that reliably signaled a downturn was either imminent or underway. My study of history confirms the same thing. This downturn is unique because it was a government-mandated downturn. The recession happened before the data actually weakened. With recession a certainty, the issue now is magnitude and duration. In terms of magnitude, the drop in growth could be unprecedented. We are currently looking at a 10% drop in Q2 GDP, and that is most likely a conservative forecast. It's very easily could be worse. At the same time, we are expecting the recovery to follow quickly. Although some sort of social distancing will be continued, it will be relaxed over the summer, at least to some extent. And it is important to remember that GDP growth numbers are quoted on a quarter-on-quarter annualized basis. If the data merely remain flat in Q3, which would not be unusual in this sort of situation, the growth rate would recover to at least zero. Well, I certainly like the sound of a quicker recovery, and certainly the stock market has been performing better, or it did during the month of April. Uh, Are there any economic statistics that are currently encouraging? Yes. uh, Some of the high-frequency data, the weekly reports, such uh, as initial and continuing claims and some of the weekly consumer confidence data, have stabilized. They're not getting better yet, but they're also not getting worse. The public has been consumed by news of the pandemic, but you have been pointing out consistently that that's not the only major challenge. Oil is is another huge problem area. Low oil prices might seem like good news for the consumer. What's the reality? If we were driving, these low oil prices would be a huge boon to households. Although gasoline prices don't necessarily change overall consumption, they do affect the composition of consumption and consumer confidence. But under current conditions of lockdown and social distancing, driving has dropped significantly. Gasoline consumption has fallen to 5.5 million barrels per day. That's down from a normal level of about 9.2 million barrels a day for this time of year. In addition, uh, with the advent of shale, the U.S. has become a major oil producer. Weaker oil prices have become a major negative event for the overall economy. In fact, we've already seen oil futures dip into negative territory. That certainly got everybody's attention. Where do oil prices go from here? 
Yeah, negative oil was quite a shock. We are looking for prices to hover in the mid to low teens into summer. By July or August, enough production will go offline that prices will start to rise into the low 30s. Even without the pandemic, would we be facing the prospect of a recession because of the oil price war? Probably not. Absent the pandemic, oil demand would not have collapsed. We may have seen a downturn in the economy this year, but nothing of this magnitude absent the pandemic. Is this going to kill the U.S. shale oil industry? It won't kill it because fracking is a technique, but it will be much more difficult to get financing and thus will take higher prices to restart the process. In addition, If the industry consolidates as we expect, the shale industry will be run by larger players with deeper pockets and thus will stabilize. A third main problem area that you cite is the level of financial stress. Of course, people who have lost their jobs are currently feeling great personal stress, but you're talking about widespread stress within the financial system. Where is this most evident? It was financial stress that caught our attention. The pandemic was destined to bring us a recession, but when the financial markets began to seize up, we became worried that the inability of the financial markets to function would take a deep but short recession and turn it into something far worse, a downturn similar in magnitude and duration to the 1929-1933 depression. We were seeing credit spreads widen dramatically And even worse, we were starting to see rising rates for treasuries and falling prices for gold, which was indicative of forced selling. In addition, the dollar was rallying, a sign foreign borrowers were scrambling to acquire dollars. Borrowers were selling what they could, not what they wanted to, in order to gain liquidity. This is what an institutional bank run looks like. The Federal Reserve has greatly expanded the types of securities it is purchasing to help backstop the system. How big a deal is this? It's a big deal. The Fed has traditionally avoided credit risk, but in this case, the actions they took stabilized the financial system. Without it, the financial system very well may have imploded. How would you rate the success of the Fed's activities so far? I would give it an A+. What new challenges are emerging, areas that may need additional financial support? There are two areas I'm watching. The first, uh, mortgage holders will need forbearance due to the lack of income, but many mortgage servicers will not have the resources to compensate the bondholders as they are required. The Fed may need to offer a line of credit support to the mortgage servicers. And secondly, I'm watching the muni market. State and local governments are depleting their reserves to pay unemployment insurance claims and for medical emergency care. A broader backstop for state and local governments may be necessary. Do you think there's a chance that the Fed may take on too much of the burden? A chance that the Fed may have to go to the government for support? It will almost be certainly true that the Fed will suffer some credit defaults on some of the debt it has acquired and will need to be recapitalized by the Treasury at some point. Fed independence is now at risk. And the federal deficit is ballooning. Where does this fit in our new universe of worries? The federal deficit is a problem, but it is important to determine exactly what kind of problem it is. The federal government is a borrow that issues the currency it uses to service its debt. 
So it never really has to pay it back. It can roll it over indefinitely as long as dollars are acceptable for paying for goods and services and for paying taxes. What the government must do is grow the economy faster than the costs of debt service. To do that, governments usually engage in financial repression. It forces the Fed to keep interest rates on treasuries lower than the overall growth in the economy. As long as there is a modest degree of austerity, the debt-to-GDP ratio will fall over time. This is exactly how the U.S. reduced the wartime debt after World War II to acceptable levels. Of these, Bill, of these three major problem areas you've identified, the pandemic, first of all, and then oil prices and also financial stress, could you grade each in terms of the difficulty in achieving a favorable outcome? The pandemic will be resolved. That's what the history of pandemics tell us. What we don't know is the timing. We need to see two developments, an antiviral that would reduce the risk of dying from COVID-19 and eventually a vaccine. I expect a vaccine by the middle of 2021, but an antiviral might be available by autumn. The financial situation has been managed so far. The risk is that the Fed and the Treasury decide not to support a part of the financial market that unexpectedly generates systemic risk. That's a possibility, but the current behavior suggests we will likely see financial panic averted. In the long run, the U.S. is essentially moving private sector debt to the public sector balance sheet. This shift will increase government influence on the economy and may bring significant changes to corporate governance. But in the near term, it won't affect equity market behavior. Oil probably doesn't get better. But if the other two are managed, we can get through, but the oil industry will be smaller and probably more concentrated. In other words, like Forrest Gump, the key is to be the last shrimper after the hurricane, and that's what all the oil companies are trying to be. Statistics consistently point to stock market weakness during recessions. What's your target for the S&P 500 this year? Well, at present, we're at 2667, which we're currently uh, well above. We are reviewing it, but to some extent, this rally we've seen has been a bit enthusiastic. We have been anticipating a pullback and perhaps a retest of the, of the lows, and thus for now, holding to that 2667 for the year end. The prospect of a deep recession, uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Do you continue to feel that uh, a deep recession is unlikely? I would characterize it this way. A deep recession is unavoidable, but a long one should be avoidable with proper policy. Finally, any broad recommendations right now for investors? Well, long-term equity investors use situations such as this to build positions. We recommend that for equity investors, one should be adding to equities at this point, and we have added equities to our asset allocation portfolios recently. But we remain friendly towards gold and expect the dollar to weaken later this year due to the aggressive activities of the Federal Reserve. And finally, fixed income investors should be shortening maturities and adding credit risk. After all, the Fed is on this side of the trade. For the past several months, being long-duration treasuries has been an important insurance to the portfolio of equities, but we think that the utility of long-duration uh, treasuries is, is starting to come to an end and thus are starting to move to the shorter end of the curve. Thank you, Bill.
This has been the Confluence of Ideas featuring Confluence Investment Management Chief Market Strategist Bill O'Grady. Next time, we'll begin looking at some of the longer-term societal and financial ramifications of COVID-19. For more resources, we point you to confluenceinvestment.com. You can also find us on Twitter at ConfluenceIM. Our discussion today is based on sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. We wish to state that opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice. This information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Adler. 